0: The Lord be with you. you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, give you great thanks and great glory for your word written. Uh, In it, Lord, uh, you tell us the words of life. And so, God, we pray that by your Spirit, these words that we hear today would be words of life for us, that they would draw us ever deeper into our relationship with you. That you would teach us, uh, Lord, that your Spirit would thrill us even uh, to read your Word and to be formed and shaped and fashioned uh, more, ever more in your image. So we ask God that you would bless the reading and the teaching of your Word today, that it may sink deeply into the hearts of your people for your own glory through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Well, we are working our way through uh, the Book of Genesis. And uh, we're doing that with the Essential 100. Now, I've ordered 50 uh, of these books, and they're all gone, uh, except for this one, uh, which will go to the highest bidder. Um, it uh, actually is my copy, so I know what you're reading. Uh, it, it is, but you can get them um, from the Scripture Union website. Uh, I don't think they're on Amazon, but uh, if you go to scriptureunion.org, you can get uh this book. Uh if I think they're ten dollars, that's what we charged. And so um, uh it's it's a good it's just a little commentary, little little questions. So you can kinda keep up through the week uh with uh what is what what's going on uh it, with what we're studying. Uh we've given you a little handout uh each week except we forgot last week but just uh, each week we've given the um, you a uh, handout so you know what's coming and you can read ahead. Uh, so we um, we're going through the Old Testament, at the Essential One Hundred. Uh, we want to understand the Old Testament as Christian Scripture. And that's really, really important. Uh, and we want to remember that it's it's one story. The Bible is one story, not just a collection of stories. It's a what we might call a meta narrative. Uh, it is obviously a lot of stories, but they are threaded together in an amazing way. I mean, think about the the. Um, centuries and centuries over which the Bible was put together, and the amount of different authors, and, and there I could tell you the statistics if I would um, uh, thought about that, but, but it's just an amazing thing to think how consistent the Bible is, uh, given the breadth and the variety of its authorship. Um, but as Christians, we need to understand that Jesus is the Christ, Uh, Jesus is the Messiah uh, because He is the promised King. Uh, In other words, He is the one who stands in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, that is the source for Jesus' significance. If we did not have this, then Jesus would have been a great teacher. We wouldn't know really what to make of His dying and rising again. And so... We want to remember that the Old Testament is our scripture uh, and because our Messiah gets his significance from uh, the prophecies uh, and from he is the pinnacle of the plan of salvation that we see birthed in Abraham, uh, that we see actually necessitated in Adam and Eve, the very first chapters uh, of the Bible. But. Let's admit that the Hebrew Scriptures are hard to understand. They seem archaic. They seem strange. Uh, they, their society uh, was so different. Uh, it seems that you know Jesus, uh, um, the Old Testament, comm- has all these laws and commandments, and then the New Testament seems to kind of do away with those and has a different set of commandments, and sometimes those commandments are seem to be contradictory. How do we understand uh, those things? Uh, what was socially acceptable then is... Very likely not socially acceptable now, and in fact, uh, you know, for instance, slavery or the treatment of women or all sorts of things that seem repulsive to us are, are not addressed in a way that we wish they were. God seems angry. This is one I hear all the time. God seems angry and, and wrathful and not particularly <coughs> like Jesus. What are we to do with that? So we, we've been trying to show, as um, so far as we've gone through these stories is to see that the character of God is actually consistent um, with what we know. I heard someone uh, this week say that, uh, a teacher say that there have been times in the history of the church where God has been known only as holy and not as loving. He said, but we seem to be in a place now where we want to know God as loving but not as holy. Hmm. And, And so we... What we, what I, when I say uh, things like God's judgment is a function of His holiness, that, that, it occurred to me that may just seem weird. That, that, may, that may not make a lot of sense. But what I mean is that God, in His great love, uh, both for Himself and for us, must judge those things that are evil. In fact, think of something that is awful that has happened to you, someone did to you, or maybe you can take less, a little less personal and it happen to someone else. But nevertheless, if, if something really awful happened to you and God didn't do anything about it, that would, He would not be loving. Right? It's, it's a function of His holiness. It's a consistency of His holiness and His love that He is a God of judgment. The problem is, is that we also stand in need of that judgment. So what are we to do? That's the gap. Excuse me. That's the gap that we are talking about between God, a holy God, and an unholy humanity, an unholy you and me. How do we have a relationship? So, uh, of course, God is both loving uh, and holy. So we've seen that God created. He created for His glory. He made us in His image. Humanity is the crown of of creation. And yet, um, there was a human departure from the will of God. And and even there, we see God's grace, uh, where He does not just wipe them out and start over, but He makes them clothed. There's a sacrifice uh, to make those clothes. Uh, Humanity can't solve the problem of human departure. The solution comes from God, who initiates the process by virtue of relationship rather than um, rules. He calls Abraham, who is old and without child, child and who's married to someone who is old and without child. And he says, your descendants will be uh, more than the sand of the sea, and through your line all nations of the earth will be blessed. And then God waits 25 years before he gives him uh, his, the child of his promise. And then he asks um, Abraham to sacrifice that son. It is a, an extraordinarily strange and wonderful story. So we've seen uh, there's Abraham. Then there was Isaac, the, the miraculous son of promise. Then there was uh, Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And Jacob was the line, in the line of promise. Jacob becomes Israel. And Israel has 12 sons. Right. And so last week we saw Joseph, the, uh, who was son number 11. But the first child of Jacob's first love, Rachel, who had been barren for many years, that Joseph comes when he's about 17 and he brags to his older brothers about these dreams that he has. Remember, he sees the, the, um, they're carrying sheaves, they're carrying the, the grain, big bundles of grain, and his she stands up and there she's bow down and then he goes before and of course they don't think that's very cool that he's uh, not only that he's having the dreams but he's telling them about them he's kind of the he's kind of the the favorite son you know he gets the coat of many colors and and then he has a dream where the um the sun and the moon which would be his mom and his dad and then the, and the 11 stars bow down to him and, you know, the, the brothers, they've just kind of had it uh, with that, and they sell him. They, they're actually going to kill him, but they end up selling him um, to Ishmaelites uh, who take him to Egypt and sell him to Potiphar. And we talked about that. Jacob is in uh, Egyptian jail. He, he does great in Potiphar's house, he gets, um, but then he um, gets wrongly accused. He ends up in jail. And what we didn't really talk about last week is that there's a, um, a chef and a royal cupbearer who are also in jail? They have dreams. Joseph interprets the the dreams, uh, and um, says you're going to get. You're both going to be released. Uh, the I believe it was the cupbearer was released and restored to favor with Pharaoh, uh, and then the chef was released and uh, killed. Uh, he was executed, and um, and the cupbearer uh, remembers a couple of years later. He, he's, Joseph says, "Remember me," and the cupbearer says. Um, he will, but then he forgets until Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh said, Pharaoh's dream is strange, and it's two dreams. And he has full, heavy, healthy cows that are swallowed up by uh, very, very thin, um, sickly looking cows. Seven seven healthy cows swallowed up by seven sickly cows. And I think there's also a, a, the ears of corn uh, that sw- are swallowed up by sickly ears of corn. Anyway, the cupbearer remembers that, you know, there's this Hebrew uh, in jail. Why don't you bring him out? He, he can interpret it. And he, he does. And the Pharaoh, uh, in the weirdest job interview ever, um, makes him vice chancellor of the whole uh, country. Uh, he says, you are obviously, um, God is with you, and you are wise, and so we are going to make you in charge of everything except for me. So he is basically um, uh, in charge of everything, sort of the prime minister of Egypt. And, um, and he becomes great uh, in, in there, and they, they have these full years of, of um, produce, and they, uh, every year they store a fifth of that up in these grains, it says more grain than they can even um, uh, count or measure. But then the famine comes, and that's where we pick up in uh, chapter 42. Um, what we said last week is that uh, what is bad or unfair or unjust or unfortunate or unkind, that that, that does not mean that God is absent. Right? Joseph got sold into slavery. And you think, okay, well, he's sort of redeemed because he became the steward of Potiphar's house, even though he was sort of a slave. And then he gets, but then he gets wrongly accused. I mean, bad things happen. To Joseph, but God is still with him. And so that was kind of the lesson that we held on to, that God is sovereign, and just because something is, is bad, um, God is totally in control, and he uses that for, for his good. So we see, we're going to see that come to all to fruition uh, today. So we want to pick up in Genesis 42, the seven years of fullness have passed. We are now into the famine. Joseph has stored up the grain, and he begins to sell it. He's not just handing it out to the Egyptians. He's selling it, and actually... Um, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's greatness becomes uh, exceedingly great because, in the end because he sell, um, the people have to basically give themselves, even the Egyptians have to give themselves into slavery to Pharaoh in order to get the grain that had been um, stored up. But as we, as we go through this, I want you to notice as we go through the narrative the power of guilt over these brothers. I mean, to me, that, as I read through it a couple of times, this was really a theme that I, I, I spoke to me and, and I want to uh, lift up to you. And I also want you to notice Joseph as the unlikely Savior. I mean, that's really, what, Joseph, of course, points ahead uh, to Christ. And we want to see how he does that. So 42, chapter 42 opens up and Jacob sends 10 of his 11 remaining sons. Because remember, Joseph, he thinks is dead. Uh, 10 of his 11 sons he sends to Egypt. He keeps Benjamin, who is Joseph's younger brother by uh, Rachel. Um, keeps him because he doesn't want him to get hurt. <laughs> he doesn't care about the, the ten. No, he does. He, he cares about him. But why so many? Why send? Why send so many down to Egypt? When you, can you send a, just a few? I thought about that. Okay. Protection, maybe.
1: Of people to bring all back
0: exactly. So to carry all the grain back, for sure. But yes. if they had stayed, they would have to eat, right? And so, at the very really, least, I think it's pragmatic that he sends them all to get to go eat, so they didn't. They what little food they have, they is shared among fewer people. So it actually makes sense. At first, at first, I thought, why would the why would the story go like that? But I, th- I think there's good. It makes good sense that because uh, they'd have had to eat. Mm-hmm. So. Um, 42 where where is my 42 verse 6 now joseph was governor over the land he was the one who sold to all the people of the land and joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground here is the dream of joseph's youth coming true um I, had, I was telling somebody, I had a dream last night. That I just hope doesn't come true. I don't, I don't begin to, uh, I actually uh, left, my dream was I left this job and went to, um, uh, went to be the, an associate under Donovan Kane at All Saints. And, um, and I was thinking, this made good sense at the time, but what have I done? I just had such buyer's remorse. I wanted to come back. So I would just pray that that never, ever uh, comes to fruition. But nevertheless, this uh, really uh, important, um, I mean, Donovan's a great guy, don't, don't get me wrong, but I don't want to work for him, so, um, yeah, so,
1: That's recorded. I
0: know, he can listen to it, I'll tell him myself. So, verse 7, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where did you come from, he said? And they said from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Now, I have just spent a little time sort of imagining what it must have been like for Joseph. I mean, this is 20 years after they sold him into slavery. What must it have been like for Joseph to see these brothers of his walk in the door? conflicting I, I don't even I I'm not sure I would have felt much confliction honestly I um, to strength to keep from running. the strength to, to keep from from running I don't know if you if uh, you know you've had conflict with someone and then they were out of your life and then you saw them at Walmart <laughs> or or you know just just and I mean what is your I, I don't know if maybe I'm just Strange, but for me anyway, my, my blood just, or my anxiety, or my heart rate, or depending on kind of depending on the situation, but it just it just heightens. I, I remember one time, um, I, I would I, I was actually a pretty good guy in high school, but there was one girl particularly that was not a very good guy to, and I, re, I can remember I got a Facebook friend request from her, and I thought, oh heck, you know, like I just um. It just brought back all of a sudden all this all this feeling of guilt. I hadn't thought about that girl in years, and I just um, and I just it brought all this feeling of guilt uh, back. And and she, I mean, she laughed it off. She's married. She didn't care. You know, like she, you know, whatever. But it just. I, um, and I can also I can remember seeing uh, this one lady at in Birmingham just hated what I had to say in my sermon. She just hated it, and she actually left the church. And I saw her. Um, in Walmart, and she didn't. She wouldn't look at me. I don't know if she recognized me or not. But but um, but just seeing her, like, I just remember going. Ugh! And um, I, maybe I'm just I'm strange. And I, depending on your personality, I mean, you might have a fight a, a fight or a flight instinct. And and I just I just um, it's hard for me to imagine that Joseph didn't have some of that that he was in the moment... I mean, I don't know if he had kind of thought, I wonder, what if my brother, what if my family comes in and tries to get... I, I, there's no indication that he had thought about this earlier, but he sees them and he just, he just treats them roughly. Like, I, I just think, like, of course he did. They sold him into slavery and took that pretty coat. So... Um, I just think it's unlikely that Joseph had his whole plan of reconciliation uh, worked out. He treats him roughly, accuses him of being spies. I know the book asks the question, you think he enjoyed that? Yes. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the truth is, we don't know. If you think he enjoyed it, it's probably because you would enjoy it. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, I would. I, I would. would um, I be
1: your first?
0: It absolutely would be my first reaction. Absolutely. He was
1: only 30-something years old. He's right. So young. Right. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, he's probably in it, about thirty-seven or so. Um, anyway, he treats them roughly. Uh, he did, um, like, he didn't have a dream that his brothers were going to come, or at least not when they know about. But uh, other than the ones from his youth, and you wonder if he gave a lot of credence to that. But here they are bowing down before him, and so he says, "You're all going to stay here until he." Okay, they said, "No, no, no, we're we're not spies. We're honest men. We we have a, a, a father and a, a, one other brother who's who's back there." And he says. To know you're honest, I'm going to need to see that brother. And, of course, that, they're like, I mean, that just devastates them on their father's behalf because they're going to have to tell Dad, we're going to have to take your son in order to prove this. So he puts him in custody, I guess jail, for three days. And it seems that in those three days, Joseph has time to process what he's going to do. And he, said, he comes back and he says, I, I, I do want your younger brother to come. But just leave one brother. And so they decide to leave Simeon. So let me read um, 42 verses 21 uh, and following. Then they said to one another, in truth, this is so to me anyway, it just heightens my awareness. In truth, we are, they're saying this to one another. They think he doesn't understand because why would he understand their language? They're speaking in their own language to one another. And they think he's Egyptian. In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we didn't listen. This is why this distress has come upon us. But immediately, 20 years later, they're still carrying this around and something bad happens. And they go, God is out to get us because uh, because we, have, we did that bad thing 20 years ago. I don't know if you've had something like that where any time... I mean, you did something, and that guilt is just hanging over you. And you just, um, and, and you just, anytime something bad happens, you wonder, is God out to get me because of this? That seems like a pretty human uh, emotion to me. And Reuben answered them, didn't I tell you not to sin again? So now Reuben's trying to justify himself. Uh, but you didn't listen, so now there comes a time of reckoning for his blood. Now they're wrong, right? They're wrong about that. But, but the guilt is so powerful. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. And jo- then Joseph turned away from them and wept. <clears throat> I, mean, I just think that's a... So, I mean, there's just this story. Again, it's amazing to me that, that, that God cared enough about these conversations that they made it. And he didn't just tell the facts. I mean, he's really getting the emotion of it because it's just so human. It's so human. Um... <clears throat> So, again, they make the connection immediately, or they, they think they make the connection. It's not a true connection, but they, they, they're guilty. It's hanging over their head. Um, God is working for their good. They're wrong about what, the connection they make. So what, what, what they feel, what they're afraid of, their fears, is not actually what's true. And that's another thing that we can relate to because a lot of times our fear isn't the truest thing about us. Or your feelings about yourself aren't the truest thing about you. So, but that's the power of guilt. It's like a dark cloud, and it just follows you uh, around. So I just want to say, get right, right? Make conf- don't let it linger over you. Make confession. But the other thing I want to say is that we as Christians have a place to put that guilt. Now, there are earthly relationships that you need, to, uh, you need to do what's right. Don't just say, I'm forgiven. I don't need to worry about it. I mean, get right with the person. But you do have a place to put that guilt. Let's say that person says, I forgive you, but you just feel so bad about it. I mean, God has forgiven you on the cross. What right do we have to, I mean, we we have a responsibility to get right with the people, but what right do we have to continue to hold ourselves accountable when God himself has forgiven us? You have a place to put that guilt, and that is on the cross because it has been paid for. Very, very important. Now you can, I mean, you can go talk to your therapist about that, but, um, or your priest. But, um, but it is, because uh, there's a lot to process. Uh, I, I admit that uh, wholeheartedly. So Jacob fills up their sacks. I mean, Joseph fills up their sacks. They still don't know it's their brother. And he puts the money that they pay for back in their sacks, which is, I think, just an act of wonderful grace and love, for, particularly, I think, for his father. And they discover, it. what is their reaction? Ooh. Oh, no, not. Praise God, our money's here." <laughs> I would think that I can go buy something. but um, they, they --Oh, no. 42,28 B. At this, their hearts failed them, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, "What is this that God has done to us?" <laughs> their guilt.
1: You put
0: it where they would not overlook it. Right. They, he knew they were going to find it. But but their guilt was so powerful that it clouded their judgment. And all they could think is God is out to get us. It, see, It damaged their relationship with God because they could not trust His goodness. They knew they would have known from their father that they were the lineage of God's chosen people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through them all in the nations that ble- uh, would be blessed. They can look and say, we are the prosperity that is coming. We are, there are 12 sons here. And yet God is out to get us. They could not see God's plan because of their own sense of guilt. To so get right, right, get right. But they couldn't, they couldn't t- tell their dad. It just, it, it, it binds us up. I guess it's better, you know, it's better to avoid things we might feel guilty for later. But we all know how that goes. So what is this that God has done to us? So they get back uh, to the land of Canaan and they tell their dad, uh, who says, of course, well, you're not taking Benjamin. I mean, you can leave Simeon down there, but you're not taking Benjamin. Poor Simeon, I just feel so bad for Simeon. Um, But then what happens? They run out of grain again. They eat it. All because, I mean, they're, they're not boys. I mean, they, they have families. They, they, they just they have, they go through their grain. And so they're finally, I mean, they're just torn up over this, but they finally decide, all right, we're going to take Benjamin. And, you know, there's this sort of cool argument back and forth. Reuben and uh, Judah and se- several of the brothers say, I'll be responsible for him. Woe be unto me if I don't bring him back uh, to you. And uh, and they head back to Egypt, and then they they take gifts, uh, and they, they I guess it, it was such a it was probably very expensive to to get um, pistachios and almonds in, in a time of famine. But they they, they gather these things up. They take double the money back just to prove um, to to Joseph, and um, and so they they go back to Egypt and they confess about the money and they bring him his gifts, and he sends them on their way again. He still doesn't tell them. That he's their brother, but this time they stash uh, his his own cup, uh, Joseph's cup, in Benjamin's bag, and they send out. They let him go back with the full grains, and they send him back, uh, or they send out the army to go say, "Hey, you've stolen this thing." And they say, "Well, of course we haven't. I mean, we brought you double the money. Of course, he let him keep the money, but why would we do this?" We we're we're going to kill... I mean, they're, they're, it's a different time. We're going to kill anybody... I mean, they were really confident they could say that because they knew nobody would have done that in their family. We're going to kill anybody who, who did this. And, of course, it's in Benjamin's bag, right? Oh, my gosh. And they're just totally stunned. And they're just... Um, and and so they're, they're sitting there. And... Um, all these trumped up charges and finally Joseph gets really emotional. So now we're in like chapter 45. I love hearing all those pages turn. Good for you bringing your Bibles. Good old Episcopalians. Um. mm Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him so he cried out make everyone go out for me and no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers so it's just him and his brothers sitting there and he wept aloud so the Egyptians heard it I mean the outside the door and the household of Pharaoh heard it and Joseph said to his brothers I am Joseph is my father still alive but his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence I think that must be understated <laughs> first of all I mean just, they would just have been stunned they would have been like why would you tell us that, that, why would you I mean first of all they couldn't have believed him at first, this Egyptian monarch essentially i'm your brother that you sold into slavery how what in the world and then they when they realize it is him, oh no
1: <laughs>
0: yes, Lola. My says they were terrified. Terrified. That's probably a little a better, um, a, a better translation. So Joseph said, "This I just love this, and I, I, whether or not the author intended this, as such a, as a gracious, it was written way before Jesus so that, that he wouldn't have even known that it was focusing, uh, pointing us ahead to Christ, but Joseph said to his brothers, these brothers who had been so treacherous to him, come near to me, please. I, love, I just love that call, come near to me, please. Because the treachery that they had committed against him was not going to destroy, um, destroy the relationship, the family relationship that he longed for. Not get over here. Come near to me, please. I just love that. Because that's what the Father says to us. That's what Jesus says to us who have been so treacherous to him in so many different ways. I heard somebody say uh, this week, a, a, a teacher that I think a lot of, uh, uh, D.A. Carson. He said, what do you say to someone who says, God can never forgive me. Uh, I am, uh, after all the things that I have done. And Carson was speaking to pastors and he said, I beg you, do not tell them it's all, not as bad as that. He said, you tell them, my friend, not, not a tenth of your evil has actually been revealed to you. <laughs> Can you? I mean, so when you think, I, "How could God forgive me for, for this treachery that I've done?" You just can take such comfort in knowing that you don't know—you don't know half of what you've done—and yet God still says, "Come near to me, please." Forget, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You don't know. We don't know. Come near to me, please. Such an act of uh, words of grace uh, in that. Come near to me, but isn't it so hard to trust in grace? I mean, we always, uh, we, we always think that, or at least I do. God says He forgives us, but I feel like I mean, it's, it's maybe I'm may, maybe there's something in me that just says I, yes, but. You forgive me, but don't I have to do something else? Don't I have to make this up? Don't I need to give myself 40 lakhs? Does anybody else feel that way? It's hard. Sometimes, okay, yes, God forgives me, but but it's hard to forgive myself. I just feel like I ought to feel guilty for this. You ought to, but God's forgiven you. And you don't have to. So it's not in the assigned reading uh, for this week, but but chapter 50. Verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. Now, so this is, so. what happens, as you probably know, they go back. He, he, he says, I'm, I'm Joseph. They go get his dad. They tell him, your, your son's alive. We can't believe it. I don't know that they ever actually tell him what happened, but they bring him back uh, down to Egypt. They're reunited. And, and yet the brothers are wondering, is he just trying to get his dad? So now Jacob dies. And Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they say, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So even, and they, for all these years, they still are wondering: is this forgiveness thing real? Again, that seems pretty relatable to me. Can God actually forgive us? So they sent a message to Joseph. They think they. Couldn't go talk to him face to face. They sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave the command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. Jacob didn't say that. <laughs> They're just afraid and they feel guilty. And now, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. <laughs> Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. I and mean, they recognized the power differential. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. For I, and that, again, I mean, we hear that on the lips of Jesus all the time. Fear not. The most common command in all of Scripture, Do not fear. For I am, in the, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. So just, again, incredible uh, demonstration of grace. I'm reading this and I'm thinking, wouldn't it have just been easier for God to have made it rain in Canaan <laughs> than go through all of this? Why go through the famine and all of these things? Wouldn't it be easier to make it rain? Because God is sovereign, but God is not efficient. God is sovereign, but He is not efficient. I mean, and I say that not not as an observation. He doesn't do. We have a crockpot God, not a microwave God, right? It takes a long time (laughs) for God to stew these
1: things,
0: (laughs) and we want the microwave, don't we? Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. That's right. But God is concerned with His covenant. God is concerned with His covenant. That through Abraham's, fam- Abraham's family, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And He is going to protect and preserve that covenant. God's, now, this is interesting, because when we talk about God's sovereignty, the, the question always comes up, do you mean, well, so everything we do is uh, just a script. You know, we have no control. No, we, we have free will. God is sovereign. He's in complete control, and we have free will. How, do those, how those, will, those will intersect sometime in eternity. We, he is sovereign. His, his sovereignty does not mean that we live according to a script. And so uh, it's not clean like that. And so we have um, a responsibility to obey to forgive, to apologize and seek reconciliation and things that we have uh, broken, but also to trust His incredible, amazing grace. Joseph points us ahead to the greater Joseph, the unlikely Savior. Because no one, in the same way that no one would have thought a slave would would be the uh, instrument of saving God's plan to save humanity, but... Of course, if all those brothers had died, then we wouldn't have Jesus. That's, he's in their line. No one would think a slave would be God's instrument to to um, save that line. And no one would think that a Savior who had no army, uh, who had no clout with the religious officials, uh, who had no money, whose life ended in a tragic and unjust death, that that would be the way that God would redeem all of his people? All of humanity? That Joseph, as the unlikely Savior, points us ahead to our own unlikely Savior, Jesus. In fact, the name Joseph, I'm told, means one who provides. And in... Christ, God has provided, I mean, obviously the name Jesus is from Joshua, not from Joseph, but the, um, the word um, but in Christ, God has provided his means of salvation. So, he, Jesus is our greater Joseph. Because he is the unlikely Savior. And so you can see, even in this page, this strange, weird, archaic passage of Scripture. Even there, we see a God who's Desire it is to save. We're, we hear in the New Testament letters uh, that it is his will that none should perish. Right? It is God is a saving God, he is a loving God, he is a holy God. We need to fear God in that sense, not be afraid of him, but be in awe and uh, reverence for his majesty. He is a holy God and he is a loving God. Those two are not contradictory. And so we see that in his love he has solved the problem of his holiness for us who are unholy by giving us Christ. It's on the cross to the end and we see the intersection of his love and his justice. So, a couple of minutes. Questions, observations, things that were not clear. As we look ahead next week, Moses, calamity and calling, burning bush is what we'll see. So, Observations, questions.
1: I, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. Um, In reading um, this story, it refers to Pharaoh um, calling upon Joseph to interpret the dreams, and he refers to Joseph's God. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking the Egyptians had a variety of gods, Mm -hmm. and I found it odd that Joseph would even recognize, uh, or Pharaoh would even recognize that, joseph had just one god i that just seemed like it wouldn't have fit in with the culture at the time
0: so if you if you weren't able to hear charlene she said why how would pharaoh recognize that joseph just had one god that's a that's an insightful question i i um i mean from pharaoh's perspective it's just was one more you know but um but whether or not he...
1: He kind of respected Joseph because of that. That's, that was my take on it.
0: Right. And, and in fact, I mean, that was a witness to... to um, and it always is. I mean, the way that, that our respect for our own God is a witness to those who have other gods, whether they're, that God is money or sex or whatever it is, or Ra, the sun god. I mean, it just still is a witness here. And did he respect him? Did he, I mean, it, was it certainly a demonstration of God's power? Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem that they turned themselves over to the worship of that one God. But nevertheless, they certainly gave Joseph favor and the freedom to worship that God. So. Well,
1: possibly, possibly he had uh, other uh, Egyptians that were um, supposedly interpreters of dreams. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'd gone them, and they couldn't give him any kind Well, he of had been. Yeah, yeah, he it didn't... Then. No
0: one... Could could answer that? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, and the, and the, the cellmate, the old cellmate of, of of Joseph, remembered him.
0: Yeah, his interpretation now, came now
1: true. Yeah. It, termed, his dream, was, came to fruition.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's right. But, Carmen. Uh,
1: at that time, there was a region very close in northern what is now northern Saudi Arabia, just on the other side of it would be the Suez Canal, that was becoming monotheistic. And so he came from an area in which it was known that there were beliefs in one God. It actually is not that far apart in time from when Egypt itself went through a great deal of turmoil because they had a, one of their pharaohs up and told them, hey, guys, right? all you guys that are... All these gods are wrong. Mm -hmm. There's only one. His name is Ra. Program, and actually it was Tut that went back to doing it the other way around. But through the country just went completely out of whack for a while. Sure, and there seems to be chronologically a lot of correspondence between those two periods because there were periods of extended famine that caused them to initially allow. Oh I,
0: yeah, I don't want to get lost in the weeds of because of, of, I don't have the expertise to tell you when I I think that what is clear is that Pharaoh recognized mm-hmm. that God that J- Joseph's God had given him the right interpretation. So, but how the polytheistic monotheistic Pharaoh was
1: acknowledging yeah. that.
0: All right, folks, that is what we got time for today. I hope that you will see you in church and uh, God bless you.